Rural Focus. Hello there to you and welcome to today's edition of the Rural Focus podcast. On the way today, we'll catch up with Craig White from Bayer. Find out and see how things are going. And if you're a grape grower out through regional WA, Craig's got some news for you. So looking forward to that. Also too, we'll catch in with Dr. Kate Gunn from the University of South Australia on a new bushfire resource. Looking forward to catching up with Dr. Kate about that. We'll catch in with Harry Carroll from Nutrient Livestock out of the Mount Barker Cattle Sale Go. But first things first, as we always do. Time right now to say hello to Stu McKenzie. Good morning, Troy. Good morning, listeners. How are we all today? A uh, fair bit of rain around your neck of the woods over the weekend, mate. Everything A-OK? Quack, quack, <laughs> quack, quack. I've now got webbed feet and I'm learning to swim. Not just in your neck of the woods, but uh, across the wheat belt as well. They uh, did cop it over the weekend. Yeah, look, over the last probably seven days, mm. we've seen upwards of 85 to 90 mil out at uh, out of Wellstead, mm-hmm. um, hail and salmon gums, um, yeah. flattened crops in grass patch, and yeah, anything that was swathed probably 10 to 12 days ago is probably sitting up against the fence line somewhere. Uh, the hay guys aren't happy. You know, barley's possibly going to be in a bit of strife, but anything that is still green and standing will get a benefit from the moisture. So patience is the key, ladies and gents. Don't be in a hurry to go out and spray because you won't get far into your paddocks before you've got to call something and pull you out. So. Just be patient. It'll dry out and we'll be able to continue on with the season once it lets us. Has there been a lot of damage to fields and all that around? Have you heard, mate? Yeah, I was talking to a bloke the other day up at Kendon Up Mm. and he has reported some fairly serious erosion. Uh, There's some water cutouts up to the size of, you know, small road trains. So I think there's going to be a fair bit of gravel road repair before we can start moving down gravel roads. And I do know that a lot of the shires have closed off gravel roads to anything over four and a half tonne, uh, just as a precaution. So ladies and gents, let's just use a bit of common sense, if we can say that these days. When you're driving on non-sealed roads, just take it easy, please. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, do take care. It uh, looks like there's going to be a bit of rain around today and tomorrow and then uh, who knows uh, going forward. But we'll check in with the Weather Bureau as we always do in the next hour. Mate, uh, have uh, seen on Twitter from uh, WA Farmers uh, in the Grains section here, I think this would have come from President Mark Fowler, uh, the WA Grains industry would benefit from greater competition in the grain supply chain. Your thoughts on this? Yeah, I'm a big fan of this. Obviously, we've got some competition with Bungie and Grain Breakers Australia on the broking side and, and obviously Bungie in the distribution side. So I think any time we can create competition in the market, whether it be fertiliser or logistics or commodity pricing, I think is only a benefit, you know, Within, you know, when CSBP and Summit had a majority of the market and then CBH came on board and Nutrien came on board and these other ones, it, it, it creates a, a more level playing field and much more realistic pricing. So I do know that CBH has struggled with releasing contracts this year when, when they open the contracting. It's only open for five or six minutes at a time and then, so, you know, the system is crashing due to not enough space for, or not enough time for people to get through. So although we might be able to sell it at the bin, getting it to the bin, getting it out, getting it on the ship. So I think the more ships we can get in from other companies, the better off we're going to be. And the commodity pricing will, will, will even out and we'll probably see better pricing and more competitive pricing moving forward. Where's the increased competition going to come from, though? Well, that's a good question. So obviously, CBH and Bungie have got their set markets and Grand Brokers Australia have got their same markets, but they all tend to use CBH facilities except for Bungie with some of theirs. So this is a million-dollar question, whether it's a Wang Fu or a Koch Group or one of those from the eastern states coming into WA. Because CBH is is more around the the WA market rather than the eastern states market. So there are some 
bigger comp- bigger competitors over east, whether they can get the berth sign and the storage happening in WA to start moving commodities out as well as bring commodities in. But, you know, once again, they're not going to send an empty ship to Australia. So it'll come in with, with a product on board. So it'll have fertiliser on board. It'll have another product before it goes out. So if we start to see competition in the grain space, we will end up with competition in the fertiliser space as well. So, And once again, the more competition we have, it can be a positive, but it can also have a negative effect for the local market. So watch this space. Yeah, so commodity prices are starting to relax a little bit. I do know that a few guys locked product away at the peak just to secure it. So they will be paying 15 to 18% more than what the market is currently offering. Although it is fine to lock stuff away, make sure that you're price protected. So if the price goes up, mm. you're not going to get stung. But in the same effect, if the price goes down, make sure that your supplier is, is willing to honour that lower price. So I do know that some of the specialist markets are price protecting products and they're quoted for staying open for a lot longer. So, the, And what I mean by that is when you're quoted a price today, rather than being valid for 14 or 30 days, they're actually keeping that valid for you know, 45 to 60 days. So um, have that conversation with your agronomist and with your supplier to make sure that things are price protected. So to, to stop that price from increasing, because once that price increases, yeah, you know, it's a bit like yeah. the new machinery space. Yeah, absolutely. So just make sure you have those conversations and ask the hard questions of, of your agro and of your supplier too. Don't be afraid because they're the ones asking you the hard questions saying, do you want this or not? Are you willing to price protect this product for me as, as a long-term client or as a new client into the, into the market? So And don't be afraid to shop around. All right. So, Anything else before I let you go this morning, mate? Yeah, look, mate, it's just about road safety as well. Obviously, we've had a fair bit of weather, and there's more There's more weather to come. Thursday's going to be a lot warmer. Coming into the start of things where there's going to be a lot more truck movements on the road, still moving machinery, machinery around, school holidays coming up as well. So, you know, let's just drive to the conditions, drive to your own abilities, take time when overtaking trucks, wait for them to signal your past is a better idea, or even even better still, wait for an overtaking lane because there's plenty of them. So please, ladies and gents, just take it easy. And then if in the event that you do need help or you've been a, a, a victim of a of something on the road, there's plenty of plenty of people to call. So just take it easy on our roads, ladies and gents, and look forward to talking to you next week. All right. Enjoy your week, mate. We'll do that uh, next Monday. Thanks, Troy. Thanks, listeners. Have a great week, and please stay safe. The following interview on the Rural Focus podcast is a paid interview. A reminder, this may not be the right product for you, and other goods and services may be available. Well, it wouldn't be the Monday show on Rural Focus without catching up with Nutrient Livestock's very own Harry Carroll. Good morning, mate. Morning, Troy. Good morning, listeners. Have you got that bigger boat out today, mate? Yep. She's a bit (laughs) soggy underfoot down here, but... um... Anyway, it is Albany and surrounds, so yes. we do uh, we do have this from time to time. All right. Uh, how'd you go last Thursday at Mount Barker, mate? Yeah. Okay. Smaller yarding last week. Uh, Troy back to just over a thousand head, and uh, Nutri Livestock uh, offering five hundred of the total. New season steer heifer, uh, steers and weaner, weaner steers and heifers were increased in numbers. Yearling steers and uh, heifers were smaller, uh, not quite as smart a quality as the week before, but okay. Uh, and cows and bull numbers were quite light as well. Uh, odd sales of heavy beef steers sold to a top of 422 cents a kilo to the trade and four to 500 kilo steers these sold both to local and eastern states buyers, mostly feeder buyers at 400 to 442 cents a kilo live weight. Heavy boning room heifers over 540 kilos these sold at dearer rates at 340 to 400 cents a kilo would have averaged 370 for the day there so that market was a bit better and those heifers under 540 kilos these sold from 340 to a top of 496 cents a kilo would have averaged 450 and most of them going back to the feeder sector. Yearling heifers over 400 kilos, these sold strongly 420 to a top of
top of 548, would have averaged 460, good market there. Yielding steers in that 330 to 400 kilo bracket, uh, the feeders gobbled these up at 500 to 566 cents a kilo as the top there and would have averaged 520 for the day. Now, new season weaner steers, there's more of these on offer, as I mentioned earlier. 380 to 420 kilo carbs, these sold at rates of 510 to 562 cents and would have averaged 550. The 330 to 380 kilo weaner steers, and this was the bulk of them, 540 to 614 cents and would have averaged 580 for the day there. Now the lighter ones out of them, the weaner steers, 280 to 330 kilos, 580 to 642 would have averaged 610. Graziers and backgrounders picked up most of those. Uh, weaner heifers, um, these were the, the, the smaller number in the category, 330 to 380 kilo bracket, they're in small numbers, 450 to 518 cents a kilo, would have averaged 500, so not a bad average there. And the 280 to 330 kilo weaner heifers, 490 to 544 cents and would have averaged 520. Uh, heavy prime cows, not a big offering of these, 290 to 332 cents. Medium cows, 280 to 330. The heavy bulls, are small numbers of these, and these sold at rates of 296 to a top of 336 cents a kilo. And that wraps it up, Troy. All right, so uh, you do it all again this Thursday, mate? Yeah, we are. Yep, yep. We are. So we're getting, you know, like um, we'll have the month of November as single sales and then we'll go okay. into our double sale fixture in um, in the first week of December. So that's still four weeks away yet. Are the graziers in your neck of the woods, mate, liking this rain at the moment? Oh, look, on the coast down here, the graziers on the um, Albany and surrounds, um, look, that just adds a lot of uh, longevity to the yeah. back end of our season. Yeah. Those guys that have got a, a, a grain operation and uh, that style of thing, uh, not so much fun for them, I don't think. But certainly from a grazier's aspect down uh, on the coast and, and surrounds and Mount Barker down through there, it right. uh, makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Another busy day out and about for you today, mate? Well, it is a bit, but by gee, I hope I'm not far from uh, a heater or a... Uh, <laughs> Or in the car with the heater on as well, because it's pretty chilly and windy. Yes, it uh, was a bit cool this morning around most parts around WA, and it looks like it might stay that way too, especially in your neck of the woods, mate, uh, for the rest of the week, unfortunately. Looks a bit that way, doesn't it? Stay dry, stay warm, mate. We'll chat to you again next week. Look forward to it. Thank you, Troy. The following interview on the Rural Focus podcast is a paid interview. A reminder, this may not be the right product for you, and other goods and services may be available. Always nice to catch up with Craig White from Bayer, and that's what we're doing about now. Good morning, mate. G'day, Troy. How are you today? Not too bad, not too bad. Now, uh, wrapping up, mate, uh, you've been out and about in the fields, uh, I suppose, with this rain around some parts of WA, mate. I'm guessing it's put a, a big dampener on things out there. Yeah, it certainly is uh, very damp. I think the thing that that's creating is that challenge for, mm. you know, the greenness, hopefully not too much damage around. I haven't really heard of any yet, but okay. uh, we saw those, saw that sort of that hail through the Peel region. I'm not sure how far inland, but hopefully not too much. And yeah, at the moment getting out with, you know, noting the escapes and weed seed heads or panicles as we call them, the flowers that are, you know, escaped through in different treatments. And one thing that's been really encouraging is with Matino Complete that we've talked a lot about this year for the grass and broadleaf weeds. It's really holding those weeds back and a lot lower numbers. They're quite nice plots to, to for us to count numbers in Troy compared to some of the other treatments that have really let go mid-season you know some of the competitors or weaker herbicides just not getting that weed control late into the season so that's been really encouraging and yeah all that sort of stems into the 
you know, the data input now and wrapping that all, all up for advisors. We've got a lot of advisor updates coming up sort of in late, uh, or when is that? Yeah, November mm. and into December. So they'll be getting the, you know, summaries of all of those as well. And then obviously early next year, of course, lots to do and lots to output there as well. But yeah, been a lot of great learnings from 2022 and yeah, applying those to 2023. And that's what I'd say to everyone, just have a look around as you would. And when you get on the header, I'm sure you'll really see the differences yeah. where you might have tried a bit of Matino Complete or some other sort of program. Um, and we're only too happy to help now. And I'm just reminding everyone that barley registrations right through now. So, you know, post-emergency in wheat and barley, as well as uh, pre-emergency, if that's the way people want to use it. So plenty of flexibility with the Matino Complete. Um, Sakura is still around, of course. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that uh, people will be getting a you know contact whether they're interested in using any of that next year. So it's that time of year again, yeah. and, and some of that's just to help with the pre-planning and production and those sorts of things. So people just giving some idea of what's going on for their. 2023 cropping plans. I know we're still only in 2022, but mm. yeah, all the best out there as people get into that sort of review and planning stage from here on in. Have you heard from farmers going into next season, mate? Yeah, I think look mixed at the moment. I mean, obviously the high input costs um, yep. for things. Troy really putting a you know putting a question mark over scale and you know exactly what we're going to do. I, I get a bit of a mixed uh, feedback on that, you know. But I think uh, the one thing is that's you know it's our job to really help people help growers out there um, see what get that information to make sure that if you do spend you know the money on those on our products that they're going to give you a return I suppose and that's the thing it's that upfront cost always of anything no matter what you consume yep. in life yep. um, but is it going to pay pay you back um, provide great returns you know there's things that might be cheaper I guess there's always cheap things on the market and they're available, but do they really pay off in the long run? I don't know. You know, that's a question yeah. and that's our job to help people and we're only too happy to help. If it fits, it fits. If it's not right for you, then certainly no one's going to um, you know, push that down someone's throat and make them take it. So yeah, get in touch with us uh, with all the usual ways and make sure you know if it's right for you going into the 23 season. Mate, have you got anything for our grape growers out there? Yeah, look, I just wanted to mention this uh, on a podcast. There might be some people listening that are uh, grape growers mm. and certainly with with moisture around and coming into that period now where downy mildew, um, you know, can become start to become an issue through different developmental stages of the crops. We've uh, actually this week new Javana Prime, which is a new fungicide for power downy mildew in grapes, both table and wine grapes. Uh, has become available and that's brand new chemistry and there's some really nice attributes about that but you can listen to Bayer Hortcast which is coming out this week all about it. I had a chat with some chaps from the uh, the grape industry, mm. grape segments in our business and yeah, it sounds really interesting to me from a, you know, not, not only from a rotational point of view but just the strength that it has directly on the disease itself. So pretty exciting stuff, Javana Prime, and that's actually a funny one that, that, that to spell, actually. It um, starts with an X, so it's X-I-V-A-N-A, mm. Javana, believe it or not, Prime. <laughs> so if you're looking for that one, um, look around. But downy mildew and grapes and, yeah, brand new on the market, brand new chemistry, you know, downy mildew's never seen it before, so uh, it's a good thing for grape growers. All right. Anything else from uh, you and the team there at Bayer, mate? No, oh, I think that's about it for okay. the moment, Troy. Um, you know, yeah, just uh, getting that data in and uh, yeah. lots of computer time and counting, still a bit of counting to go. I've still got a bit to do around because of this late or this long sort of finish and dampness. Uh, we want to really make sure we get all of the 
seat head counts and things yep. like that done. But, yep. yeah, that's sort of it. It's not bad to get out of the office sometime and get a bit of exercise in different ways too, Troy. Uh, yes, speaking of, mate, uh, I know you've been on the bike and very soon you're participating in uh, this year's MSWA Ocean Bike Ride. Tell us more about this, mate. Yeah, a bit of a sh- um, shameless uh, sort of plug for that, I suppose. But look, it's a great cause, multiple sclerosis, stroke, yeah. any neurological. I've got some friends that have you know been affected by those things over the years. So yeah, it's been a lo- long time since I've really been on a bike. I haven't, um, you know, I do enjoy r- bike riding. And for me, it's just been um, fantastic to get back on the bike. And in the 20th of um, November, riding from uh, Fremantle up to uh, Whitford, mm-hmm. up that way, yep. up along the coast. Yep. It's called the, the MSWA Ocean Ride. And yeah, that one there, to um, raise money for the, you know, the great work that MSWA, you know, there's lots of great charities around and people get asked a lot, but um, certainly if anyone's interested, they can find my profile and if they um, wanted to chip in or, I've just been amazed at the encouragement actually, Troy, of me because I haven't ridden a long time. I'm certainly no elite (laughs) athlete when it comes to bike riding, but I'm very proud to get involved in it and help people and yeah, help this charity absolutely. to you know, help people that's that's my real driver so you can have a look at my page and it's just mswaoceanride.org.au and i think you just put um craig white in there and it should find me somehow hopefully so yeah, no, yeah. certainly yeah um, so what 30k bike ride mate yeah, I'm choosing yeah. that one. There's there's a various stages. There's okay. the family ride, and then there's that one. Then there's the really super, you know, super duper ones. I think <laughs> the top one's 120 oh, or 150. Okay. I think I'd be, I reckon I'd be pushing that one, but <laughs> so maybe something to work towards over the years. And yeah, go for that. But I'm just really looking forward yeah. to it. Um, been training, and yeah, it's it's amazing what uh, that does for for a whole range of uh, things. Just your your own. Health, um, well-being, you know, mental health, everything. It's just fantastic. So go MSWA and, yeah, it's going to be I'm looking really looking forward to it, Troy. No, well done, mate, and uh, good luck with that bike ride in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, check out uh, Craig's, uh, the website there, mswaoceanride.org.au forward slash craig.white, and you can uh, make a donation there. Every little bit helps, so uh, help Craig on his bike ride in a couple of weeks' time. Anything else before I let you get back out on the bike, mate? No, that's it at the moment. Troy, everybody, just to say, be safe as you're gearing up, getting things ready, mm. and obviously a lot more movement around on the roads and things. Be careful. Take your time. Obviously, everything needs to be done in a you know in a timely manner, but it's also not worth doing anything that's going to... Uh, you know, damage someone or hurt someone. So, yeah, be careful. And, yeah, look forward to seeing people around the traps as we get out and about a bit more. Mate, always a pleasure to chat with you on Rural Focus. We'll do it again very soon. Thanks, Troy. Appreciate it. See ya. The following interview on the Rural Focus podcast is a paid interview. A reminder, this may not be the right product for you and other goods and services may be available. Nearly after, say, something like about two years after those devastating bushfires on the East Coast, many farming communities are still coming to terms with the impacts. Now, a brand new online bushfire a resource called Recovering After a Farm Fire is hoping to provide you Aussie farmers with the support and information that you need to uh, help you process and recover after a bushfire. Hopefully no bushfires coming uh, very soon. A lady behind it, part of University of South Australia, a lady who's the Senior Research Fellow and Clinical Psychologist over there, Dr Kate Gunn, does join me. Dr Kate, good morning. Hello, Troy. 
How are you? Yeah, going well. Thank you. So you've got the new resource here, sort of recovering after a farm fire. As we said, it came about after those devastating bushfires some years ago. Uh, what can you tell us about it? Yeah, well, the idea for this um, came about after we'd been speaking to farmers about their experiences um, with the fires. And, and we know that a lot of research has been done on the impact of fires on rural communities generally. But the farmers are telling us that they felt their experiences were a bit unique, um, you know, in that if the farm was affected, it was not only their business, but also their homes and their stock. And even the way they felt about their properties um, changed for some of them. So, yeah, so we went out and you know, interviewed farmers from across Australia to find out about what these unique experiences were and then most importantly we asked them um, what did they do that really helped themselves in the recovery and then we've used that information to put together these um, this practical resource for other farmers. So it's on the iFarmWell website is that how I get it? Yeah yep. that's right you go on there and then if you go to other initiatives there's a drop down and you'll find the, the bit about recovering after a farm fire. Was there anything that surprised you when you sort of put all this together? Um, I guess Something that surprised us was the consistency with which people or the farmers um, spoke about the same sorts of challenges. Mm. So they all said that, you know, immediately after the fires, they had very intense emotions. And then, you know, as time went on, even a couple of years later or several years later, um, they were still facing challenges um, from relating to the fires. But the other things that they consistently said was that when they did stop and get advice around decision making or planning for the future from external people, that was really helpful and a lot of them had actually been at, been and sought counselling or help okay. from a psychologist yeah. so a, a very large proportion and um, overwhelmingly they found that positive too so yeah there, there were a few surprises in there but they were all good things to hear. So what topics can our farmers go to the website and expect to read there? Yeah so um they, there's information on how other farmers yep. um, have generally felt after yep. a fire. There's information on how to tackle a post-fire workload because we know there's lots of work and mm. there's, there's different ways you can do that so you can be more efficient. There's tips around how to manage relationships both within your family but also in the broader community because they, they can become quite fractured in these circumstances. There's information on how to deal with anger because a lot of the farmers we spoke about, spoke to, mm. you've talked about yeah. being angry with the authorities and things and, and holding on to that is not necessarily helpful in the long term. There's practical tips around how to you know prevent becoming really distressed about future fires, management of livestock. Um, farmers said that when they did that themselves, if they destroyed livestock themselves, it actually had very significant consequences for some time. So they recommended that, that farmers bring in someone else to help them with that if they possibly could. So, so there's a lot of psychological techniques, but there's also some really practical things too. So it's up at the iFarmWell website. Uh, are you finding farmers going to that website more and more these days there? We are, yes. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's hundreds of farmers who've yeah. benefited from it, but we think there are thousands more who could. So everything we put on there is designed with farmers, specifically for farmers, and it's also based upon evidence-based you know, um, techniques. So um, there's nothing too fluffy on there. It's, it's nice and applied and practical. All right, so uh, check out that website today, iFarmWell, and uh, check out all the information. We certainly don't need bushfires uh, anywhere around Australia, but uh, yeah, check that out today. Recovering after a farm fire. I know that a lot of farmers over this way anyway, Dr. Cater, sort of getting ready for harvest. I'm not too sure how things are going over in your neck of the woods, but over here at the moment, they're uh, certainly trying to get into harvest and everything else. So uh, I'm sure this, while they're doing some harvest, they could probably check out that website. That's right. It's a good way to prepare um, just in case uh, you face one of these circumstances, but, but I hope you never will. 
Are you working mm. on anything else going forward? Yeah, look, we're actually, um, of course, we've always got something. We'd actually like to develop a national campaign um, to help uh, change some of the attitudes in the farming community that are holding people back from, um, from accessing services. So that's probably our next big challenge. Hey, thank you for your time today. Uh, good luck with this recovering after a farm fire. Well done on uh, on the research that you did with it and we look forward to chatting with you again very soon. Great. Thanks for your time, Trey. No, thank you there, Dr Kate Gunn from the University of South Australia on the uh, the new bushfire resource. And as Dr Kate did mention, if you are wanting to know more, better to be safe than sorry. Maybe not just for farmers either. Might come in handy for uh, people if you live in town or something too. ifarmwell.com.au forward slash bushfire dash registration. Check it out today. Hey, why not? I've been Troy Stockton. This has been another Rural Focus podcast right here on the Listener App.